FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 394 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked! I'm your host, Jason, underground space cube venable. <laughs> it's going to be a, a bonus flashback episode. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about the anti-Phoenix story in Excalibur 48 through 50, specifically focusing on 48. But 49 and 50, I felt like, couldn't just leave them hanging. So I'll mention them a little bit as well. Um, Now, in all transparency, if you want a real Excalibur podcast, you need to go check out the Excaliburs. Because this is just a a, a fake (laughs) Excalibur episode on a real Wolverine podcast. But, you know, uh, Georgie and Dan, who are gracious enough to come on this netcast, fairly often to help me with new books. Um, obviously, we have a wonderful podcast where they cover Excalibur in depth, and I'm stepping on their toes a little bit, but not too bad, because it's going to be a long time before they get here. I think they're still on issue like 30-something, if I remember right, from the last episode. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly well ahead of them, and... But anyway, um, we're going to talk about that, a little bit something different, and... You know, I want to, and there will be some Wolverine, it's not a complete departure for the podcast, but I wanted something to kind of jumpstart me a little bit, kind of back into things. Everything was going really strong, and then I apologize, I know I'm a few weeks behind. Um, to be honest, and just kind of drained uh, emotionally and physically. It's been a long couple of weeks. Um, you know, <clears throat> dealing with the uh, uh, COVID stuff and self-quarantine and kind of the extra quarantine that goes when uh, there's a positive case around one of your kids. Um, so we've been, and, and we're all fine. We're all fine. Um, it's just been, it's been a stressful couple of weeks and I'm not given, every time I start to kind of do something creative, I'm like, eh, I'd rather just lay down. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, um, I'm back. We're going to talk about this story and, and kind of hopefully get our our momentum going back on the flashback episodes. And also, you know, we've been starting to get new, new comics. And so maybe in a few weeks, we'll get the aforementioned Excalibur's back on uh, to talk about some Dawn of X stuff. Uh, getting ready for uh, um, Empire and... X of Swords, or Swords of X, or whatever that is. Um, so yeah, that's all all in the wings. But today, we're going to talk about Excalibur 48, and then a little bit of 49 and 50. So, 48 is written and penciled by Alan Davis, and dedicated to his dad, J.J. Davis, for his inspiration of the story. Uh, going to be inked by Mark Farmer, lettered by Michael Heisler, colors by Glennis Oliver, um, and the cover is by Alan Davis and Mark Farmer. And I got to say, 
of the near 50-issue run, and, and Alan Davis has done a good chunk of the covers. This is by far the worst. <laughs> Alan Davis Excalibur cover. Everyone just looks really stiff, and I don't know, it's a weird, almost emotionless, characterless cover. It's a group shot. Uh, it doesn't help that three people have their arms crossed. So we have Kitty in the front, crossed arms, frowning, hair blowing in the wind. We have Nightcrawler, arms crossed with his leg cast. And in the back, we have Captain Britain, arms crossed. Uh, between Captain Britain and Kitty Pride, we have Rachel in her spiky leather suit, hands on her hips. And then we have Megan in the back with her hair blowing in the wind. She's doing like a Baywatch kind of like... Swimsuit calendar pose, nothing too provocative, you can't really see much of her, but that's what she's doing. She's kind of that one hand cocked behind her head as her hair blows in the wind. Um, also, very weird hairlines on the characters. Um, I don't know, and just, when you think of all the great things Alan Davis does, and some really good stuff he's going to do on in the interiors of these issues, this cover just falls flat. It's not good, I don't think. Um, feel free to disagree with me, but... I did not care for it. But we get inside and things change pretty quickly. So we start off with like this uh, somewhat of a monastery. It's not a traditional Catholic monastery, but it's a, it's a monastery in Ireland. And we have the monk talking to this guy, Farron, who is the descendant of the original Farron. And he has pointy ears and he floats. And may have... No, he's got normal... <laughs> the first picture kind of looks like he has less fingers, but he's got normal five fingers. Um, he talks about, you know, his whole life he's been secluded and trained and ready to be the host of the Phoenix. And there's something about power in the ground. He has these, like, magic boarskin boots or booties. And, you know, they talk about one day he'll take him off and step on the ground and then he'll be ready to take on the phoenix. And that that day is coming soon. Um, and then we see, like, Excalibur show up in, like, a golden blackbird. Um, a gold bird? <laughs> but, um, anyway, and they've come to greet Kitty, who we saw last issue, if, if you're reading along, in 47. Uh, she had discovered this, like, geology thing and there's this like big cube underground and there seems to be a person alive in it just kind of pacing around um and so obviously she called for Excalibur for help and so we have our current Excalibur crew jumping out of the plane we have Captain Britain with Kyloon or Kylan wrapped around his shoulder uh we have Megan flying down with Rachel and then we have Cerise newcomer to the team um also jumping out of the plane Great shot. Looks really cool. Um, they land. Kenny shows them what's going on. Of course, Alistair is there. Uh, Kurt bamps in with his leg cast and his cane. Remember, he broke his leg with the uh, TechNet team he was leading? Um, no, I'm sorry. Captain Britain broke his leg because he got jealous because he had a dream about Megan. Nightcrawler did. Nightcrawler had, had a, a sexy dream about Megan and I guess made some audible noises and said her name and Captain Britain broke his leg. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that really happened. <laughs> so they decided they got to figure out what's going on in the cube. So Kenny had tried to face down and couldn't make it because she couldn't see. So 
the combined powers of Rachel and Kitty will, will phase down to the cube while Cerise, Megan, and Captain Britain work on digging down. And then Nightcrawler is just going to kind of stand up there with his injuries and, and lead the team. So they go down to the cube. And when Rachel gets down there, suddenly Kitty Pride is Kate from Days of Future Past. And this obviously worries her, but then she sees Scrapper, who I think, if I remember right, that's Franklin at that point, right? Maybe not, I don't know. Anyway, Future Mutant, they're being attacked by Sentinels, and he basically says, Oh no, you never went, it didn't work. The time travel didn't work. You had had some really vivid dreams based on Kate's memories about the X-Men, but you've been here the whole time, and now we need you to, to help us. And she's like, oh, but that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't understand. I'm confused. Um, and Scrapper's like, no, we need you to use the Phoenix Force to destroy the Sentinels. And she's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I didn't, I don't have the Phoenix Force in the future. I got that when I came back to the past. So something's not right here. And then the scene changes to when she was battling Celine. Uh, from the Hellfire Club. And remember, that that was part of a Secret Wars too, or right around that time. And um, she was going to kill Celine for what she had done. And in reality, Wolverine stopped her. Well, here, we have some nice Alan Davis Wolverine. And he's like, kill her. You gotta kill her with the Phoenix Force. You gotta burn her out with the Phoenix Force. And he's got a cigar, actually more of a cigarette here. Um... And he's like, she deserves to die. You know what to do. Burn that witch with the Phoenix Force. And she's like, no, no, you told me last time not to kill her. I, not to use my power. You, this is what you said. The more power you possess, the more you need limits. That's what you said, Wolverine. And he's like, yeah, but we get a snick and some really long claws. Um, as he faces, gets in Rachel's face, he's like, your life could depend on it. And she's like, no, and she changes into one of her Phoenix costumes. If you were going to kill me, you'd have done it by now. You're trying to trick, someone's trying to trick me into using the Phoenix Force. So now, aside, if you haven't been reading along, which is shame on you, it's a, ever since Alan Davis took the book back over, it's been great. But anyway, so Phoenix, or Rachel discovered that the Phoenix Force and using the Force was interfering with her memory. And so she found a way to kind of bottle the Phoenix Force up inside to make it dormant. And through that process has been able to slowly start reclaiming her memories. And so she's like, okay, I can use my natural t- mutant powers, my telekinesis, my telepathy, but I'm not going to access the Phoenix Force until I kind of get everything sorted out. And so now she realizes whatever's going on, someone's trying to basically like like the temptation of Christ, so to speak. Like someone's trying to tempt her into using her full power and putting her in these different scenarios where she needs the Phoenix power to be victorious. But she's kind of figured it out and says, no thanks. And she's like, who are you? And we realize she is in the cube. And the person also in the cube claims to be the rightful host of the Phoenix, but he can't take it from her. He needs her to use the power, and then he can kind of siphon it out of her and become the Phoenix host. And she's like, uh, no, not going to do that. And he's like, but you have to. You will do it. You will. This is why I'm here. I promise I will get this power. 
um, events are unfolding that will force you to use your power. And she's like, no. <laughs> and so then we go back up top and uh, Cerise is using her hard light powers to help form the tunnel around which Captain Britain and Megan will dig. Um, it's cool because Megan basically turns into like a giant badger slash mole. Um, it's a pretty cool little visual effect. And it's starting to rain, so they feel like they're in a hurry. Then the monks show up with Farron, and they undo his booties, and he steps on the ground, and there's an earthquake. And he wants the Phoenix Force as well. And everyone's like, whoa, what's going on? But then, I guess that breaks the cube. So the anti-Phoenix, who is, who's been arguing with Rachel, shoots up out of the hole in the ground. And then Rachel and Kitty come up, and they're like, we got to catch that guy. And then, as he flies by Farron, Farron uses his powers. He's like, no, I'm going to extinguish you. And he's like, you can't extinguish me, whelp. And then Excalibur's like, well, we'll help. So they all show up, but then <laughs> uh, the Anti-Phoenix forms these rock monsters um, out of mud and stone, and they, they get up and start fighting Excalibur. It's a pretty cool visual fight. Um, and they, they punch their way through the mud and the rock and the stone and everything's going pretty well. Lots of, lots of cool sound effects, which I want to mention, kind of put a pin in that. But the rocks are trying to basically, like, suffocate this Farron kid. Um, but Excalibur, of course, is trying to save him. Cerise is able to, to blast with her hard light. Um, they continue to fight the mud and the rock. But Kylan discovers with his magic swords is uh, his... Uh, um, not blessed. What uh, anointed? No. Um. Mystically empowered swords. Uh, if they cut the rock, it doesn't grow back. Whereas everyone else, like they punch it, it breaks, but it just reforms. But if he cuts it with his magic swords, it works. And so that's what he does. He jumps into action. Um. He looks great, by the way. I mean, he looks like just a big mutant lion guy, but with swords and, and, and armor, but he looks he looks great, and he looks great in action, thanks to Alan Davis. And uh, so he cuts his way, he saves the kid, the kid starts kind of arguing. He's like, you got to give me the Phoenix Force. And she's like, I know, I don't think I will. He's like, but no, my whole life has been getting ready for the Phoenix Force. You got to give it to me. You're, you're not worthy of it. And she's like, what? Um, and then the monks kind of call him out, like, hey, wait a second, if she has it, and the Phoenix shows her, I mean, sorry, bro. <laughs> but they decide that they know where the uh, the anti-Phoenix is. They got to track him down. They got to figure out what's going on. And so the monks basically turn Farron over to Excalibur um, and say, your training may still come in, in handy. You have a lot of knowledge and um, you got to get the Phoenix, the anti-Phoenix force before it joins with its creator or it may become unstoppable. So some ominous word is there. And, you know, they're all standing in the rain. Um, like, okay, well, we will we will track it. Um, we'll go back to the lighthouse. We can track the, the Phoenix signature. So they get back in the, um, the gold blackbird, which, by the way, they reference when the blackbird was stolen. And I think Grant now from Cable Grams, his newest podcast, which is pretty great, just started. Uh, listen to that. Um, but I think, uh, I believe, because didn't, when we did that S.H.I.E.L.D. story, didn't Nick Fury and Wolverine steal a blackbird? 
uh, from like a, a vase. I'm pretty sure that's what they're referencing. Um, is that because they talk about how one of the blackbirds was stolen? Um, so, so I think Grant, we have a little little crossover here with with that shield story that we we covered. Um, this is a nice little conversation. All the ladies are hitting on Kylon. I mean, he was. He just was a badass swords lion guy, and like, man, what are your mutant powers? Are you like super strength, super endurance, maybe healing factor? He's like, well, no, actually, I just really learned how to fight, and I got really strong. But, but my mutation, besides my appearance, is that I can imitate any sound. I can reproduce it exactly. And I'm like, yeah. Well, what about that fight earlier? And then so. <laughs> He goes, you mean this? He goes, scrow! And then the rocks went, splurch! Plup, plup, khaki bark, sham! And I, I got curious. I wanted to kind of check editorial, check Alan Davis. Flip back a few pages to the fight. Exact, they got it right. They got all the sound effects in the right order with the right even kind of font and visual play time. Um, it was really cool. And then everyone just kind of stares at him. He's like, huh. And then Captain Britain steps up. Brian's like, hey, you know, that's really cool. That's a pretty cool power. But also, it makes your fighting even more impressive because that's just natural, hard work, training. Like, it just means, wow, you're an awesome fighter with no mutant advantage to it? Cool. So they go back to the lighthouse, uh, which now looks like a mushroom after the last couple of stories. And there's a bunch of robot bodies with no head. And, oh, so another thing maybe worth mentioning, sidebar. Um, after Kylan showed up and Widget kind of had a revelation of what's going on, because I guess him and Kylan had a past in one of the realities, and um, Widget started trying to build a body for his head. And the first one was pretty wimpy and didn't really work. So I, Excalibur kind of presumes here's a bunch, here's Widget just trying over and over and over again to build a bunch of robot bodies. And Lockheed comes out to greet him and they go inside and the time train has been gutted, uh, apparently by Widget's power. And we see a very Doctor Who-looking robot. It's like a new head, a sweeker head for Widget, and some shoulder pads, because it's the 90s. And then, but instead of a robot underneath the shoulder pads, it's like this black light form and shadow form. It looks great. The design here is awesome. Um, but Skyward's like, whoa, what happened to Widget? And he's not really doing anything. He's kind of stuck there. And then Rachel kind of goes into a trance. And we see that the anti-Phoenix force comes to this, like, giant magic circle ritual. And it's Necrom from Kylan, Kylan, Kylan's, I don't know how to say that, Kylan's world. And, um, he's come to our Earth. And the anti-phoenix comes and he disrobes. He's he's floating there naked. And he basically, you know, he's an energy vampire, kind of like Selene was, right? Um, and he basically sucks the anti-phoenix force out of this host that he had incubated underground forever. And we'll find out more about that later. And it turns into like a dead corpse and falls down. And then Necrom turns into this supreme anti-phoenix. So he almost looks like a goblin. He's like a green goblin with a big head and pointy ears, and he's got green smoke coming up his naughty bits, and Phoenix is like, oh, we're too late, and that's the issue. Um, this is really fun. So, 
Terrible cover aside, the artwork is fantastic. All of his colors are fantastic. The writing's really fun. Um, it kind of picks up on some of the story bit of the last few issues, but then propels us into this story about the Phoenix that's really cool and kind of different and interesting from your normal Phoenix story. I mean, obviously, there's the whole, oh, it's the anti-Phoenix, obviously, but it doesn't play out so obviously, I didn't feel like. Um, it's a really just engaging issue, really entertaining. Um, a lot of people get a chance to shine. And even people who don't have, like, big moments have little cool things. Uh, you know, I refer to Megan digging the hole with, like, giant, like, badger mole hands, and she kind of turns into, like, a wearer badger. <laughs> like, it's not a huge moment, like in the character arc of Megan, but it's a nice little just kind of cool thing that, that Davis does, and I think feel like everyone has an, a cool moment, whether it's, you know, even Alistair Stewart, who's like, oh, and kind of is the guy who knows what's going on with the geology and stuff. Um, it's just, it's really cool. I really enjoyed this issue quite a bit, to be honest. Um, and it was nice to see kind of the, the Wolverine scene referenced. And it's always fun to see Alan Davis draw Wolverine, I feel like. Uh, it, we got a nice snicked when he threatened Rachel. Um, it, just, it looks great. It's, it's great. It was a great issue. I'm going to give Excalibur 48 six out of six claws. So we don't have any Wolverine kind of fake <laughs> hallucination or otherwise in the next two issues. But I really enjoyed this story. So I want to talk about it just a little bit more. Um, first of all, I meant to look something up, and I need to do it real fast, because I have not done it yet. Uh, we're going to go into Marvel Unlimited. We're going to look up Uncanny X-Men, and we're going to see exactly what issue it was that I'm thinking of. So way back in the 100s, that's fun, right? That's good music. You like that? <laughs> um, let's see. How far back do I need to go? I don't want to go too far back. Okay. It's after Burn takes over. If you are familiar with this, excuse me, if you're familiar with this Excalibur story, you probably already know what I'm looking for. Yeah, 135, part of the Dark Phoenix story. Classic burn cover of the Dark Phoenix, like, growing large and then, like, squashing the X-Men logo, like an accordion between her hands, you know, from, in the, the, reader gets a point of view like looking down on her and the X-Men are kind of around her feet. So, wait, this is after Noah Adams. So did Noah Adams do a cover like that also? Or did he draw the cover to that? Now I'm really confused. I thought that was Vern my whole life. Um, let's go to Wiki. Marvel Wiki. Uncanny X-Men 135. Search. Alright, load up, homie. Where are you at? Why are you just blinking at me? Quit doing that. 
Oh, that's some burn cover. So, what? Huh. So I immediately went to that place, A, because it's a Phoenix story. Now, is John Byrne homaging Neil Adams on 135? Is that like an old Batman cover? No, okay. My curiosity is not seen in here. Um, Alright, Uncanny X-Men 135 homage. Okay, let's see if we can get some history on this cover here. Because I'm really, I feel like no, there's been other other covers homage this one. I guess I don't understand. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. Okay, X Men '56 with the uh, uh, monolith Pharaoh, Gray Pharaoh, by Neil Adams. A freaking fantastic little short little run that Neil Adams had on the end of X Men. He has the cover. I'm so sorry, guys. I hope you don't quit listening to the podcast because I couldn't figure that out on my own. <laughs> Which, by the way, would be really dumb. Please don't quit listening to the podcast because I was not as big of a nerd as I needed to be for just a minute because I usually am. I'm usually a plenty big nerd. Um, yeah, so, so interesting that Davis directly homages Adams because you, know, you see this, I didn't know they did this as much back then, but you see kind of when people do homage covers they do the after. Like, so the cover says Alan Davis slash Mark Farmer parentheses after no Adams. Um, now you can see that why my mind went to Uncanny 135 because these are both Phoenix stories. And I feel like he's definitely using that reason, but then giving credit to Adams for doing it first. I, it sounds like a double homage. I think it's really cool. Um, but yeah, Excalibur 49 has a great cover. We have the, the anti-Phoenix crushing the Excalibur logo between his hands, and then the Excalibur team tiny around his feet. And it's a, it's a pretty cool cover. Uh, I won't go through as much detail in these basically, you know, Necrom, Anti-Phoenix. It just goes around sucking the life out of people, <laughs> literally. Um, and Excalibur's got to try to find them. And then we also see that these realities, the multiverse is collapsing into a singularity. So you get some cool, almost Exiles type stuff. Um, there's a scene where Kang shows up, a giant Kang, and he's fighting some different heroes, uh, including a Betsy as Captain Britain. What an interesting... Uh, actually, they call her Captain Saxonia, like a Saxon. Uh, but she has pinkish purple hair. I'm assuming it's a play on Betsy, you know, which, of course, now she, in current continuity, she is Captain Britain. Then we have Spider-Woman, or sorry, Spider-Girl, which of course will come into play many times later. We have a cool Iron Fist. We have a almost Middle Eastern Doctor Strange, or maybe African, it's hard to tell. And then we have a British Hulk. And they disappear. And so we kind of have these these uh, mirages of other realities that keep popping in, and they're fun. Um... And Captain Britain is growing. Like he bumps his head on the door jam. He breaks the keyboard by typing too hard. He doesn't know his strength. Uh, that's a fun little bit. 
Grant would appreciate this. There's a reality um, where there's a just superbly obese Captain Britain who's a chef, got a meat cleaver, and he's looking for the uh, Magmitos Brotherhood of Evil Vegetarians. <laughs> but he's going to eat the Excalibur people. Um, and then Nightcrawler accidentally, he tries to teleport down to the kitchen. He hears the, the noise. And he accidentally teleports to, to a different reality where all Excalibur is dead. Uh, but by concentrating really hard, he can teleport back home, which that's going to come into play later. Uh, Al Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. There's a brief, really flyby, which by the way, Alan Davis, Adam Warlock looks really nice. But uh, Adam Warlock and Despair literally just fly through the panel. And they fly in one side, fly out the other. Um, yeah, and Captain Britain continues to kind of hulk out, doesn't know his strength, and they figure it must be Roma continuing to manipulate things. Then we get the Fantastic Four as X-Men, uh, Reed Richards complete with floating chair, and they're all in the original X-Men suits, in the yellow and blue, and they, they run through the scene. Then we get, uh, <laughs> Alan Davis loves drawing people like dinosaurs, as we'll f- learn much later when he draws Rachel as a dinosaur. But we have a Punisher dinosaur shooting at an Iron Man dinosaur. And it's the Punisaur. You get it? Lots of puns in this uh, this issue. But eventually, Anti-Phoenix Necrom shows up and says, I'm doing this! I'm collapsing reality! If you don't give me the Phoenix power, I will destroy your friends. You may survive, but all your friends will die as I collapse all reality. Then we go to Otherworld and we find out that Roma's father, Merlin, is not truly dead. This is all part of his game. And then, moving into 50, we have like a foily cover. It's really, just, it's not really foil. It's a shiny embossed cover. And it's a big explosion in blue and white. And we have Rachel facing off against the anti-Phoenix. It's a really rad cover. On the inside, we have a cool Excalibur crest, which I tweeted earlier. I'll probably tweet again after I post the episode. Um, it's pretty cool. But yeah, Scalver has to, to fight the Anti-Phoenix. Now, Kai One's like, I got magic swords. They hurt Necrom, and he stabs a floaty head. And it does hurt him. doesn't kill him. And then we get a really cool, like, uh, Kung Fu Captain Britain. It looks like Iron Fist, but in Captain Britain colors. It's really nice looking. Um, then we get a Superman, Captain Britain, with a K. I don't know why it's a K on his cape in the Superman emblem. We even have a crypto. Actually, we have several. I think it's a cat. I think it's supposed to be a cat. So the super cat and a super mouse. <laughs> Mighty mouse. Um, but yeah, all these things continue to to float through the reality. We even get a glimpse back to the days of future past days. And they got to figure out what's going on. And... And Farron is mad, and Kylan is mad, and they go and actually jump out of the, the bubble of the tower and try to take Necron on themselves. It doesn't really work out too well. And then Excalibur shows up. They continue to fight. Lots of fighty-fighty. But then Megan has this idea. She sees, because she had... So remember the Alan Davis Wolverine story we did with uh, Georgie? And there was this, uh, the Nuri and the Ausra 
which is like these light beings that were kind of exiled to the north. So we find out that Megan has a connection to them. We found that out a couple of issues ago. And now she uses that. She turns into her true form and sees that Cap Captain Britain is full of the, this light. And she has this idea. And she wants Kenny to merge everyone together. So they basically like Voltron up and become one super being. Like they all merge into Megan. They can combine their powers. And they merge into Captain Britain. Then we get this awesome page of Captain Britain like flying through the multiverse. Uh, like in almost like a linear line, like through this wormhole. And it goes through all these universes, and it looks rad. It looks so good. Uh, the art from this point on is like legendary, majestic. Like it's been really good. It just takes a step up and just, wow, it's so good this double-sized issue. And we find out all about Merlin and Necrom and um, the original Farron. And they were, they would go back to like Stonehenge where this doorway between worlds and they call the Phoenix Force. Farron is able to call the Phoenix Force and communicate with it. And then Merlin is able to um, use the Phoenix Force to cast the, this light tower, or this magic tower, so that it exists in every multiverse. But Necrom, of course, is jealous. He wants the power for himself, tries to kill Farron, and then, you know, they fight, and he is able to, like, bury a part of himself with a little bit of the Phoenix Force that he stole underground. And that's who we found in issue 48, when they dug out the cube was this body that basically Necrom had buried to let the Phoenix Force grow so that he could have part of it and help hopefully find the rest later at a later date. Um, so they continue to fight, fight, fight. Uh, then, so I've never been a huge Rachel fan. I thought she's always been just kind of fine. She gets a moment in this story that just makes me love her makes me really like, okay, this is why she has so many fans. Um, <laughs> so, so there's this part in the story, right? Like this whole time, she's been like, no, I can't use the Phoenix. He'll, he's, he wants me to use it so he can steal it. Plus also, like, I don't want to do all the work I've done. But as they continue to fight, she's like, okay, I've got to use a Phoenix. And Kitty's like, no, your memories, you might, you might lose them forever. And she says the line here, Rachel does, and it's so poignant and beautiful. She goes, your future is more important than my past, kiddo. The kiddo part, take it or leave it. But, but the idea that she's like, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice a lot here. I'm going to lose my ability, possibly, to ever really get a handle on who I was and all my memories that make up who I am. But that's already happened. Like it may have been in an alternate future, but it's my past. I still have a place to go forward. And if I don't do this, none of us may go forward. Y'all may not... To preserve my future... Or I'm sorry, to preserve my past is not worth your future. And she goes, I'm Phoenix. I accepted the power, and now it's time to prove I'm worthy of it. And she flames up full Phoenix power. And it's awesome. And it looks great. And then she attacks Necrom. And of course Necrom's like, oh, perfect. I needed that. And he starts to, to, to Phoenix out a little bit. 
Um, but Captain Britain gets a good hulky punch in. He's still oversized. We find out later that's Merlin's power, giving him power. Um, the Phoenix continues to blast. And they, she opens the Stargate and goes to like this dead world. And they fight. And he buries, her, buries Necrom under a dead city. And then he, Necrom like blows like part of the planet out and like blasts Phoenix out of the sky. And the art here, like whatever you think of Davis, he draws a lot of great stuff. He needs to do like a whole series of just like cosmic stuff because this is gorgeous. Um, they fight like through space and they use planets and moons as weapons. And uh, he blows up a, a star, makes it go nova to try to kill Rachel and. It all looks great, and they just fight through this whole thing. And then finally, she has a gambit. She's losing. So she goes up to Necrom, and he's like, Oh, a physical attack. You played right into my hands. Now I will suck away your Phoenix Force. And he starts to. And Rachel's like, Yeah, you know what? You want the Phoenix Force? You can't handle the Phoenix Force. And it does. It supercharges and overloads him. And he blows up in a fiery Phoenix in space and is dissipated. And then Rachel's body is floating and it zaps back to Earth and she's in Jean's original Phoenix costume, the really cool one with the green and like the triangle the black triangle on her chest with the really cool Phoenix emblem. And you know, they'll even take um gold sleeves on her legs and arms. But she's in a coma. So then Merlin and Roma show up and they argue a little bit. And Merlin reveals that he's been, you know, the master planner of all this to try to preserve, defeat Necrom and preserve his power. But then Megan sucks all of Merlin's power out of Captain Britain, letting him return to normal. Then she shoots the light tower with the power. And it starts to crack. And it, the crack grows bigger. Then the tower crumbles and then we see all the towers throughout the multiverse crumble and Merlin has lost his power matrix and he's going to kill Excalibur but Roma steps in and says no they did what they thought was right and kind of what you deserve and he's like fine and he storms off then we find out there was Roma's idea that she telepathically suggested to Megan what to do so that Merlin would not have so much power so then they got to decide what to do with Rachel. They take her home. They no longer have the White House. So they go back to Braddock Manor. That's where they stop. So that story was wonderful. And if you've never read it, check it out on Marvel Unlimited if you have it. If nothing else, the art in 50 has to be looked at. It demands to be looked at. It is so good. Um, obviously, I really enjoyed that. I've been really enjoying Alan Davis returning to Excalibur. Uh, duh. Uh, that kind of goes without saying. But um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was pretty light on Wolverine, and I apologize for that, but I promise we'll get back on track. Uh, we have some, I have some new books that I got, and some more in the way on the mail, it, on the way in the mail from the comic shop, since I'm not able to go right now, since I cannot go out in public <laughs> for another few days. Um, but um. Yeah, I just want to emphasize again, the boys are fine. Just had a, had a little scare um, at, at daycare. But, um, what was I going to say? So the next flashback, we're going to jump back into the Wolverine solo series. Uh, pick up with the end of Sylvester's run. 
Actually, the end of Sylvester at Marvel. The last stuff he does before he heads over to Image to start Cyberforce. So that'll be fun. And then we'll keep going. Um, and, you know, coming up on episode 400. I don't know what I'm going to do. Also coming up on our anniversary episode. Got a lot to figure out, schedule-wise. Like I said, I've been kind of in a little funk. I'm trying to kind of pull myself out of it. I'm hoping to also go on uh, Cablegrams pretty soon, if that's still in the works. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Grant. Hopefully, uh, we'll be doing that in the next couple of weeks, and you can hear me over there. Um, yeah, that's it. So, like I said, we'll, we'll get back to our regular, regularly scheduled programming very soon. I apologize again for the delay in episodes. Um, but, you know, hey, I'm back. Here I am. <laughs> so, yeah, as always with the podcast, The Ghost Nick, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast. Show notes and stuff are SnickCast.podbean.com. So, until next time, everyone, please stay well, stay safe, be smart, um, seek justice, <laughs> and all that good stuff. So, Hugs and snacks, everyone. We'll talk again soon. Bye-bye. And snacked.